Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. I want to welcome everybody to Believer's Church. My name's Ryan, uh, and I get to serve as our next-gen pastor here at BC. I want to welcome you if you're at our Boardman family or if our TCI family, or if you're on our online community. We're so excited that you're joining us this weekend. Of course, here in Warren, where I'm speaking from, I'm very excited to be with you guys today. And I want to ask you to think about your thoughts for just a moment. Have you ever thought about how scary it would be if everyone could see all the thoughts that go on in your head? Like in the last 10 days, maybe even the last 10 minutes, you've had these thoughts that could totally destroy your life. I mean, they could destroy your relationships. They could destroy your reputation. Sure, you'd have some that would be like, good, they'd change the world, they'd solve world hunger problems, all of that. But most likely, it'd be a lot of crashing and burning. And uh, the only good news about it is that we would all get to sit back and watch with some popcorn before it happened to us. (laughs) But I'm convinced if people saw inside my thoughts, you would think I'm insane. Um, I'm the type of person that has conversations with himself, and I know that's not the weirdest thing in the world. I know a lot of us do that. What makes it weird is that I'm the type of guy, I have conversations with myself and then I'm like, you know, Ryan, if I were you, I'd probably get out of there right now. You know, and I'm like, well, I guess I am the you I'm talking to, you know, but it, the worst part about it is that I don't even listen to my own advice. <laughs> you know, you're telling yourself, Ryan, I'd probably do this and then you don't do it. <laughs> I, I don't know why that is, but I'm, I'm also a journaler. And, you know, over the years, you know, I've journaled and sometimes I'll look back through these journals and I'm like, no one would ever trust me to lead them as their pastor if they read what was on here. They'd think I was this emotionally unstable person. And if you still think that, just don't tell me. It would hurt my feelings. But uh, man, you know, I just think it's probably for the best that God designed this filter, which some of us, we don't have much of one, but at least we have some so that we don't hear every thought that's going on in your head, that 98% of what we think stays here. In fact, in the next 30 minutes, you're going to have about 1,500 thoughts. And it's probably best for all of us that we don't know what those thoughts are. But since we're thinking about thoughts, which is kind of like a meta concept here, since we're thinking about thoughts, I do want to ask you, how would you describe your thought life? Like if you could use a word or a phrase, how would you describe your thought life? Maybe I'll ask a more targeted question so that I can kind of get you in the lane I want to drive in today. And that's simply this. Could you describe your thought life with this word, peace? Are you someone who has peace? Peace is this concept of nothing missing, nothing broken complete and total wholeness, both inner being and relationally. So once again, could I ask you, does your mindset reflect peace? For most of us, the honest answer is kind of. And for some of us, the honest answer is no. We live in a day and an age where peace has been very hard to find. In fact, over the last year and a half, they've showed us that teenagers, their anxiety has tripled on average, and their depression has quadrupled. And I would venture to say it's probably not just a teenager thing, it's probably a whole lot of people kind of thing. But the truth is long before COVID or lockdowns or quarantines or pandemics, there was always a sense of chaos. There was always a sense in our world that peace is hard to find. And so for many of us, we search for peace in a lot of different ways. And I I think some of us, we lack peace of mind. All of us worry some of the time, have anxiety some of the time, but some of us worry all of the time. We're people who are 
overrun by intrusive thoughts or anxious thoughts or worrisome thoughts. And for those of you who have experienced this, whether it's panic attacks or something that is a constant unnerving feeling, it is so debilitating that it causes you to really feel like, how can I keep going? Maybe not suicidal, but maybe just you go throughout your day and everybody thinks you're normal, but on the inside, you feel like you're going insane. You struggle with peace of mind, maybe because you look at the world around us and you think things seem to be getting worse and worse and worse. And I don't know, the more I think about it, the more anxiety I feel. There's so many problems, there's so little ability to change those things. And so we feel this lack of peace of mind. And some of us, that's our reality today, that we are missing peace of mind. But for many of us, there's something else that we're missing and it's not peace of mind because you're not a worrisome person. Honestly, I'm not a very worrisome person. I don't feel anxious very often, but there's something that has eluded me much of my life and that has been peace of heart. It's this feeling of deepest satisfaction in the deepest places of your soul. And I'll just speak for me. The reason I never had peace of heart is because there was this nagging question inside of me of am I enough? And if I was really honest with the answer, I would always say no. I don't think I'm enough. I don't think I have what it takes. And so I would ask you, do you have peace of heart where you can look at yourself in the mirror and feel that sense of satisfaction to where your motivations and everything you do are not built on striving to earn something? And I would think most of us would be completely shocked if we recognized how many of our actions are actually motivated by our desire for peace in our lives, the way we treat our kids, the way we treat our jobs, we would be shocked at how much is actually just a search for peace. And I've kind of concluded there's a few ways that we try and fill this void for peace in our lives. I call it the thrill, the chill, and the pill. I know it's not exhaustive, but it at least rhymes, and that's all I was looking for. (laughs) So... There are some of us, we love the thrill. And sure, maybe this is like you're this type that likes to go skydiving and rock wall climbing and all that kind of stuff. And so you literally are looking for the next thrill. For many of us, this is much more subtle. It's that next achievement. It's that next promotion. It's that next business venture. It's that next thing. We reach the top of one threshold and then we realize this isn't enough, so we gotta keep going. It's the next thrill. It's that next relationship. And of course, if you've ever been someone who's chased thrills, you know that yes, they can thrill and yes, they can bring satisfaction, but they always end. That the thrill never lasts. That satisfaction that you're looking for is never there for long enough. There's no amount of Super Bowls you can win that will make you feel like that was enough. In fact, I remember hearing Deion Sanders talk about the moment he won his Super Bowl, he was in tears thinking, is this all there is? And how many celebrities are we gonna have to hear say, we wish you could get where we've gotten so you could know that it's not everything you think before we actually believe them. And so some of us, we chase the thrill. By the way, I've used all of these in my life. I'm a practitioner of all three. But some of us, we use the chill. We try and disconnect from our life. We live vicariously through other things. Maybe that's through sports and maybe that's through video games. Maybe that's through binge watching things on Netflix. Maybe that's for living for the weekend. And then once we're at the weekend, we dread the next Monday. Or maybe that's the next vacation. 
Everything in our life is built to find the next chill. We, we wanna disconnect from our problems. We don't wanna feel the things we feel. So we think if I can just disconnect, that'd be great. Unfortunately, you know this. There's no amount of watching Downton Abbey that will satisfy the deepest parts of your soul. I've never seen it. I just figured that was a good Netflix show to talk about. <laughs> but I, there's no amount of YouTube. There's no amount of Snapchat streaks, okay? I don't understand the whole thing with that. But there's no amount of any of that that will satisfy the deepest parts of who you are. The chill just cannot take you out. Some of us, we, we have medicated ourselves, not because we need it, but because we actually love the chill. We love that we don't have to feel. And this leads us to our final one, which is the pill. And maybe for some of us, this is a literal pill of drug addiction, but for most of us, it's not that. But these are the things that at first we chose and now they choose for us. At first we chose them to cope and now they don't bring what we hoped. There, there's this thing inside of us that longs to fill this void inside. And so we just keep filling it and we realize that there's diminishing returns. And so maybe for you, this is alcohol. Maybe for you, this is the naked body. Maybe for you, this is the pill of politics. You can't go a day without knowing world events and knowing someone's opinion about them. And so you have literally given into this pill of something I need to fill this void. And so you have effectively used your freedom to lose your freedom because you had the freedom of choice, but now it's choosing for you. And we all know this, that if you've ever had any type of pill, which I've had plenty of my own, if you ever had any type of pill, you know that it is always diminishing returns. It can never satisfy your heart. It can never be a permanent solution for peace. And so it leaves a lot of us wondering, is peace possible? Is peace possible? Because I look around and I don't necessarily see a whole lot of peace in other people and I know I don't see it in myself. And maybe that's even the more important question is, is peace possible for me? And I wanna just say this today, not from my own authority, not from my own perspective, but from the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the king of the universe, who has always been and always will be, that peace is possible. Amen. That peace is possible for you. And this is amazing because this is who God is in his very nature, that God in his characteristics, one of the key characteristics of who God is is that he is peace. There is nothing missing. There is nothing broken with God that God is completely whole. And heaven is an environment of peace, not because it's paradise, not because there's beaches up in heaven and gold streets. The reason heaven is a place we wanna be is because the peace of God permeates that place. His presence is the factor that we need. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. In fact, we see this moment in Jesus' life where Jesus literally speaks to waves and winds, literal waves and winds that are coming up and embattling the ship that they're on. And he speaks to them in one moment. He says, peace, be still, and everything is quieted. Everything is calm. And so peace is possible. Oh, but it's even better than that. I have to tell you this, that it's not just possible, that peace is a promise. See, I love what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, I am leaving you with a gift, something you don't earn. It's not a payment, it's a gift. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. Jesus has a peace that is able to penetrate the most 
difficult thoughts in your mind and able to satisfy the deepest places of your soul. And that peace is a promise from God. He said, I am giving you a gift, peace of mind and heart. And I love when Jesus makes a promise because it's so different than how we make promises. We make promises because we don't keep promises. So like we say, oh, I promise this time I'm gonna get it done. The reason we have to make that promise is because we haven't got it done before, right? Like you wouldn't even make a promise if it was actually a promise. Jesus, when he makes a promise, you can take it to the bank. Actually, I would say it's better than the bank. The banks can kind of get a little squirrely on us. It's better than the bank. When you hear a promise from Jesus, you can trust it. It is a foundational truth. And so Jesus promises that there is peace for you. And I wanna ask you, are you willing to cross that threshold today and believe that peace is possible for you? TCI, Boardman, online, here in Warren, no matter who you are, no matter how many times you've been in church, how many years you've been in church or not been in church, are you willing to believe that peace is a promise for you? And I have to ask you that word belief because that is a foundational currency in the kingdom of God. The way things shift and move in the kingdom of God come through belief. But this is also something we see in the natural. When they study habits, they talk about one of the things that makes a habit stick is belief. In other words, I'm gonna drill you for something. I'm gonna try and put this habit into your life. I'm gonna help you choose a better road over an inferior road. But in the moment of battle, will you stick to what you've always known or will you believe that what you're doing is going to work? Are you willing to trust your new behavior? And they say people that keep their habits from people who break their habits are the people that believe. And so I wanna ask you today, do you believe that God can give you peace? But Jesus warns us that we will not find this peace anywhere else. This is not something you will find in the thrill, the chill, and the pill. Look what he goes on to say in that same verse. He says, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So it's not to say that there's not peace to be found in the thrill, the chill, or the pill. It's just to say the peace that Jesus gives, which is an eternal peace, which is not just a quantity of time, but a quality of time, eternity, that kind of peace will be found only in Jesus. She so says, don't be troubled or afraid. And so today I stand with a great news that, man, peace is possible for you, that peace is promised to you. And I kind of wish I could just end the message there because then it would just be really nice. You go on your way, feel good about everything. I do have to tell you just one little tiny thing that I think is important to know because what's gonna happen is if you hear this message and you go home and you pray for peace or you come up and get prayer for peace, three months from now, when you're not experiencing peace, you're gonna think that the message didn't work. But I wanna tell you one key component about peace, that not only is it possible and not only is it a promise, but peace is a process. Yeah, and that's the one, it's not the fun one to preach, trust me. Your faces did not go, yes, like, you know? I wanna say this unequivocally, that Jesus has the power to do miraculous moments where things that look impossible for 30 years can in one day, in one hour, be transformed. I've seen him do those types of things, and they're awesome. They're incredible. But what I see more often is that God answers prayers through process. That God actually uses 
a process to bring about his transformation. And the reason I believe that is because God is too good to answer some of your prayers right now. Some of you need to hear that, that God is too good to say yes to the prayers that you're praying right now. Because if God answered your prayers in the way you're praying them, it would actually not be a blessing, it would be a curse because it would crush you. Your stability, your structure could not actually withhold the blessing God wants to give you. See, most of us, we think we're just one breakthrough away from having the transformation we want in our life. We think we're just one answered prayer. We're just one moment. We're one raise. We're one thing away from having the peace that we want. And in reality, it's almost never that way. A great example of this actually comes from the lottery. I don't know any of us who, if we won the lottery, would reject it and say, you know what, man, I'm good. I've got peace of mind and peace of heart. I don't need this. Most of us, if we win the lottery, we're like, yeah, I'm taking it. But here's what I found interesting. I was kind of studying the lottery a little bit, and um, I found some really interesting studies. This was, I think, 2018 when this was conducted, so not too long ago. Maybe it's changed since then, but probably not. So in 2018, they found that 20% of Americans believe that the lottery is the most practical way to save money. Okay? So that means building your savings is actually built on winning the lottery. Now, I honestly, if you believe this, I'm not trying to poke fun at you. I'm just trying to tell you this is 20% of Americans. So one out of five. 40% of Americans are going to use the lottery to save for their retirement. So when the day of retirement comes, they are banking on the fact, two out of every five of us are banking on the fact that we will have won the lottery at some point. Now, I don't know the lottery odds. I'm not a statistician, but I'm guessing it's not one in five or two in five. But maybe the most important number you should know is 70%. That's the amount of people who win the lottery or receive a huge financial windfall who are bankrupt within a few years. Why? Jesus said it this way. He said, new wine cannot be held by old wineskins. That if we have this cup, I don't care how much water you want to pour, this cup can only hold what this cup can hold because it's built for that. And so many of us, we think, I'm just one answered prayer away. I'm just this one thing away. I'm this one relationship, this one financial breakthrough away. And I think you're not (laughs) because you're still this and God needs to grow this so that you can sustain the blessing. Trust me, God wants to bless you, but he also doesn't wanna break you. And so if he blessed you with what he gave you right now, with what you're praying for, it would break you because you don't have what it takes to sustain it. And I'm not saying this as judgmental. This has been my life. It's like praying prayers and then God's like, yeah, I'm too good to give you that right now. Let me build you. And I know you don't trust me. I know you don't believe me. So let me take it to the Bible because then you just can't argue with me, okay? Let's go to Exodus chapter 23. This is talking about the promised land. So we're talking about pieces of promise. There's no greater picture of promise in the entire Bible than the promised land. It is called the promised land, okay? God is taking a people who were in slavery for 400 years, miraculously pulls them out, takes them through the desert, takes a little longer than expected. And then he brings them into this promised land. Here's what he says. I will send terror ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and Hittites, but I will not drive them out in a single year because the land would become desolate 
and the wild animals would multiply and threaten you. I will drive them out a little at a time until your population has increased enough to take possession of the land. God could have given the people of Israel the entire promised land right away. It wasn't hard for him to do it. But what God needed to do was actually build the population so that they could enter into the promise in its fullness. And so I believe this today, that right where you are, God could flood your mind with such a powerful peace that you would literally feel like you're in heaven right now. I mean, I believe that for you, that God could do it right here, right now. Even as I'm speaking, I think he could do it. And maybe he is. But what happens when you go to work tomorrow and you have that annoying coworker? And what happens when you get around the Christmas table? We just passed the Thanksgiving table and you guys start talking about politics. Will that peace continue there when you're not in heaven anymore and you're not in this sacred space? From my experience, I found that we can only sustain what we have infrastructure for. And God needs to change us so that he can bless us with the peace of God. And it's not to say he won't give you some of it right now, but he's got to transform you. And I was thinking about this, like, how do you actually do this? Like, how do you go through the process of peace? What is the pathway to peace? And I wish I could just come up here and say five easy steps to walking in peace tomorrow. But that's kind of the point. It's not that way. That if you are just looking at Christianity as a set of principles, if I just do these principles and I get all of this together, it's just a formula. And then I get exactly what I put in the formula. You will get a lot of good results, but you will not see the results that you're hoping for. Why? Because Christianity is more than just principles. It's actually a relationship and it's a journey where you are a follower. And God needs to lead and build and cultivate so many unique, nuanced things in you that are different from your neighbor for you to experience peace. And so I was thinking, what's like the one keystone habit, the one habit that if you did this, it would maybe lead you to the most good results. And I think it's articulated best through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, starting in verse two. Here's what he says. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Press pause. Some of us, we have copied the behaviors and customs of this world. We think the same way this world does. We just put a Christian bumper sticker on it. God is saying, you don't just get to be like an American first and then Christian second. No, that your mind has been fully transformed by Christ. That is the thing that rules because if you want to experience the fullness of life, you're going to have to be transformed from the inside out. Look what he goes on to say. He says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God is trying to enculturate something inside of you, but your mind has to be renewed through the word of God. When we read the Bible, we're not just talking about something that makes you feel good in front of God. We're talking about something that if it gets inside of you has the very seeds and DNA of God that begins to give birth to life inside of you. And I think about this, Jesus called peace, he called it one of the fruit of the spirit. We see this actually in Paul's writings, but that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, that it's a fruit. And what did Jesus say? How do we bear fruit in our lives? In John 15, he says it this way, abide in me 
and let me abide in you and you will bear fruit. Abide in me and let my word abide in you and you will pray prayers that get answered. So how do we cultivate peace, which is a fruit in our life? We abide in the presence of God, in the word of God, and we allow those things to abide in us. And this is where the message in the pathway of peace is such a beautiful invitation for you to experience God, to not just hear a good principle, but to meet the presence of God. And I believe as that starts to happen, God will start to rewire the way your brain thinks, which is so necessary because he's, he's building a new structure. He's giving you more capacity. Some of us, we want peace, but we don't realize how we don't understand relationships. And so we want peace, but we're always at odds with people. There's always tension. There's always something going on because we've never allowed the Bible, the gospel to fully, maybe we have in layers, but never to fully infiltrate our lives. And so God is trying to cultivate things that allow you to let go and to not walk in offense or to forgive. He, he wants to cultivate things in you that actually show you how to value people in the way you communicate with them. And you didn't get that from your family, but maybe you'll get it from his word. And so God is saying, yeah, yeah, you're, you're lacking peace in your relationships, which is great. I want to give you that, but I need to show you how to operate relationally through kingdom values. Some of us, we, we don't have peace because our financial statement is so disruptive in our life that it causes us to constantly feel this sense of unease. And we live month to month, not because we don't make enough money, but because we have bought into this ideal of materialism. And God is trying to say, no, 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 I, I want to give you peace. But in order for me to do that, I have to show you how to utilize stewardship in your life, wide stewardship of the finances. By the way, every dollar that is in your account belongs to God. You give some of it back, but every bit of it belongs to God. So God wants to show you how to steward his money through generosity and wisdom and structures and budgets. And God wants to show you how to do it. Some of us, we don't have peace because we've never taken time to actually get off our phone. We've, we've allowed our phone to replace silence in our life. And God is saying, put down the phone. Put down the, the Snapchat, the Instagram. Just, just allow me to be the main noise in your life. Some of us, we don't have peace because we have sin. And we feel guilty. We have things that we've done. We, we just feel guilty. God's gonna have to show us how to overcome sin through his word. It's gonna build us. Some of us even have traumatic past. Things that we've experienced that cause us to lose sleep at night or, or maybe to destroy the things in our life because we, we're so afraid of what's happened in the past happening again. But I believe that God is promising peace to you, but you have to be willing to go through this process of peace. And, and so today I, I stand up here encouraging you to, to take this step because I know there's the temptation when you hear that something is a process to just give up because it's not easy. But I wanna ask you, would you be willing to keep going if it took you a season of life or even your life in general, your, your lifetime to develop and cultivate peace in your life? Would it be worth it? I believe you could be the type of person that it doesn't matter what you see on the headlines. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter whether circumstances are good or bad. 
that you could be a person of peace. I was thinking about this. I think God definitely wants to calm the storms in our life. Just as Jesus did on that boat where he spoke to the waves and the winds and he said, peace, be still. But I actually believe that there's a deeper peace that he wants to work in you. And it's the type of peace that could sleep on a boat when there's winds and waves crashing all around you. Because Jesus was willing to sleep on that boat because he knew that those winds and waves had no authority over him. And in the same way, I believe that kind of peace is possible. It's promised for you. Let's pray. God, today we just invite you and your presence into this place. We invite your peace. In fact, I bless every person within the sound of my voice, whether at TCI and Boardman, here in Warren online, I bless them with the peace of God that transcends their understanding and guards their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I bless them with peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Father, even on my heart this week has been veterans or people who have struggled with PTSD from a variety of reasons. And I just thank you that your peace is good enough for them. It's powerful enough for them. As you stay in this attitude of prayer, I wanna mention one other type of peace that may be lacking in your life. And if you're lacking this peace, you will never be able to have peace of any other kind not lasting peace. And that is simply this, if you're not at peace with God. Remember, we said that if you feel guilty, you'll, you'll never quite be at peace. And the truth is all of us are guilty. All of us have debts we can't pay. All of us have transgressions we can't remove. But there is one who can remove them. There is one who can make you at peace with God. And that is Jesus Christ. Jesus came preaching a gospel of peace, peace between God and humanity. And today I wanna to invite you into peace with God where he forgives every sin, he washes that away and he invites you into a whole relationship with not only him, but with a community of a family of believers that will begin now and continue forever. Today, if you're ready to be at peace with God, I wanna invite you to pray a prayer with me. It's a prayer that we pray every week here at BC, but it's a powerful prayer because it confesses to God that we need Him. And I believe that God will save every person who calls on His name because He's promised to do it. And so we're gonna pray this prayer. And I wanna encourage you to pray it from your heart and believe that God will save you. Church, would you help me pray so no one prays alone? Boardman, TCI, online, even if you're watching in your jammies, pray it out loud. I believe God will bring salvation. Say this, say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I need your grace. I make a decision to follow you. Jesus, I believe you're God. You died for my sins. You rose to life again so I could have eternal life with you. Forgive me, make me a new person. Jesus, you are Lord 
of my life. As you stay in that attitude of prayer, I really believe that a miracle has taken place. And once again, it's a miracle in a moment, but it's a process of your entire life that will change, that God will transform you from the inside out. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc slash give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast. Thank you.